Once again, you already know what it is and you already know where you have reached the number one up-and-coming professional wrestling podcast, the number one up-and-coming mixed martial arts podcast, and tonight, especially the number one up-and-coming boxing podcast, you have reached the one and only Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast. I am your host, Sean Hubbard. What up, though? We in the building for another big-time episode, and tonight I have a big time guest. I'm talking about expertise about professional boxing that is second to none. But before I introduce you to her, I got to introduce you to this. For all my listeners out there who are trying to make sure their business projects itself in the best possible light on the internet, there's only one place to go. Hoscrea.com. I'm talking about web development. I'm talking about web platforming. You already know what it is. Hoscrea.com because we Love tech. And speaking of love, Valentine's Day just passed, but you know what? Even though Valentine's Day is over in 2022, love is still in the air. So listen, for all the lovers out there, if your goal for your wedding is to find an exceptional officiant and have an epic ceremony, look no further than Promise Path Nuptials. Your love story will be expertly crafted and will breathe life into your wedding day experience. Premarital coaching is also available at Promise Path Nuptials. Ebony and her wonderful expertise will partner with you to successfully launch your lifetime love. Your lifetime love. I like that. Act now to book your complimentary consultation. It's free. The consultation is free, so you have nothing to lose. This is a White Plains, New York-based company and serves Westchester, New York City, and surrounding boroughs. For more information, make sure you go to Promise Path Nuptials. Com. And don't worry, a link to Ebony and Promise Path Nuptials will be available right in the very description of this podcast, both on my YouTube channel and HubbardWrestleWeekly.com. Once again, Promise Path Nuptials. Make sure your wedding comes across in the best way. Have a wonderful experience. The, the, the wonderful staff and Ebony's going to make sure that everything goes and flows beautifully. Promise Path Nuptials. Let them know that Hubbard Wrestling Weekly sent you. We're about to get this very dope episode of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast kicked off, and it starts right now. Once again, I'm your man, Sean Hubbard, the founder and host of HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com and the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast. Everybody out there listening, wherever you may be listening and however you may be listening, I thank you, I salute you, God bless you. We are in the building for another big-time episode, and I have a big-time guest, like I said a little bit earlier. We're talking about crazy expertise and crazy smart in the world of professional boxing. This woman is a boxing judge. This woman is a host of her own show. This woman has it going on a high level as it relates to boxing expertise and analytics of boxing. We're going to get into a little discussion about the heavyweight division, the state of the heavyweight division in boxing, uh, not only current, present day, but also we're going to go back historically and talk about some things, but I'm so happy to introduce my good friend. She is here with us, Haley Zale. This woman, let me tell you something. Like I said, boxing judge, not only that, analyst, not only that, but she's also comes from a lineage of boxing, a very, very strong lineage. This is the great niece of the former middleweight champion of the world, Tony Zale, back in the 1940s. This woman has 
the, the boxing industry in her blood. Tony Zell went up against Rocky Graziano. He headlined Yankee Stadium. The list goes on and on and on. And I have his great niece, but more importantly, like I said, not just the great niece of Tony Zell, which is awesome in itself, but also a very, very smart and expert boxing analyst. And she's here right here on the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly. Welcome with me, Miss Haley Zell. Welcome to the show. Let's get it. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So I'm the great niece of Tony Zale, who is yes. middleweight champ 1940 to 48 and inducted with your grandfather, Bo Jack, in 1991 oh, to yes. the International oh, Boxing yes. Hall of Fame. I've got the poster up That's here. That's awesome. So awesome. I'm coming at you from New York City, and um, I'm also a, num a level two re amateur boxing referee. Yes, yes. Your your level of expertise goes stretches very far. Um, you know, like I said, being the great niece of Tony Zell, the former middleweight champ. A lot of people don't know about me. Uh, you know that I'm the grandson of the former lightweight champion of the world, Bo Jack. So it's like we come from from boxing lineage. Yes, yes, but you know, um, it's in our blood. It's in our blood. So um, having you here is truly a blessing. We're gonna get into what the sub subject of the show is about in about two seconds. We're gonna talk about the state of the heavyweight division. Um, but before we get into that, tell everybody about, I guess, what made you fall in love with boxing. Obviously, like I said before, you have the lineage that makes all the sense in the world, but it's not just about that. Like we, we've talked about this off the air. You can come from something, but that doesn't necessarily mean you fall in love with it yourself. You fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. How did that, uh, how did that come about? Uh, let's see, probably the age of five or six when I was in kindergarten, mm -hmm. I was taking ballet class and boxing lessons from my Uncle Tony. <laughs> um, I grew up in Lansing, Michigan, and Uncle Tony lived in Chicago at the time, and he would take the Amtrak down and visit us. And he, my older brother was getting a more in-depth lesson, but mm -hmm. of course I wanted to do everything my big brother did. Right. So, right. so I started putting my dukes up myself and getting a lesson, and the first lesson he taught me is protect your face. And I've taken that with me, it's in my head all the time. Uncle Tony passed in 97. But throughout all of the 90s that I can remember in my childhood, I was watching old boxing fights with him or talking about current champions. It's just always been in my family. You know, and that's probably where we connect because it's always been in my family as well. I mean, and, and, yeah. and the cool part is that um, your great uncle, my grandfather, reigned atop their division in the same decade. Like, that's so dope. Like, that's it's so, so amazing. Oh, my God. Like, the world is super small. Like, don't nobody can ever tell me any different. But um, let's get into this. Like, we obviously know what we're talking about. That's why you're here. And um, your reputation precedes you. So let's get right into this. The heavyweight division is is really stacked right now. Um, I, 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 at least I think so. I'm going to definitely get your, your more than two cents about this. But for me, it's almost like a heavyweight renaissance, if that makes any sense. Like, Yes. Okay, yes. That makes so, perfect sense. So it's like, for me, it's like, finally, we're getting back to an era where um, we can have legitimate pay-per-view and, and network television main events that have attracted the attention of the viewing public, taking us back to um, when we were younger, like our, our early years of like, you know, Riddick Bowe, Evander Holyfield, and obviously before our time, the Ali's, the Frazier's, the Foreman's. Talk about what makes you most excited about the heavyweight division, because I know what makes me excited. I'm fired up about it. Please, let's get into this thing. I'm right with you. So I feel like we're coming out of the dark ages of the heavyweight division with Klitschko's decade. Yes. And now we've got a lot of contenders and we've got different styles. And 
basically, I'm obviously a fan of middleweights. That's what I grew up watching mostly. But I recognize, and I definitely respect heavyweights, I recognize that the boxing world will always be there no matter what the weight division. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the world, the outsiders who are looking for the dynamics, they're they start paying attention when the heavyweights are involved. Yes. Like you mentioned, Ali, Frazier, Foreman, Ken Norton. That whole era was you know, huge, put boxing on the map. Absolutely. And even if you go back before that, and I love following boxing history, mm-hmm. to our lineage, to when your grandfather and my great uncle were at their pinnacle. Yes. It was only radio. There was no TV in your living room. Right. It was a radio in right. your living room. And the announcers had to give you play-by-play play of every jab, every uppercut, every which, hook. Which in many ways made you lock in even more. Yes, it made you pay attention. And it was in your living room, and I know um, stories from my family, mm-hmm. that they would act it out, what they were hearing. So the visual was being created mm-hmm. in the home or, or in mm-hmm. the mind. Mm-hmm. So now we fast forward to here we are, 2022. We've got apps, we've got zone. We've got a whole different world of engaging in boxing. And with these heavyweights coming out and making, um, you know, making us, the whole world pay attention, the athletic world pay attention, it's now at this pinnacle where it's like the perfect timing to have these guys, uh, you know, entertaining Most as, as well as fighting. You're, you're going to laugh. Um, you know, as you know, my, <laughs> my grandfather was a lightweight and I'm certainly not a lightweight. You're talking to somebody who's 6'3", 290 pounds. I'm, I'm a massive human being, right? So I love the big boys, you know what I'm saying? I'm all about, you know, seeing the heavyweight do their thing. And it's like, for me, obviously, I have an affection, a great affection for the lightweights and the welterweights and lower lower divisions. But like you said, the heavyweight division, I mean, think about Mike Tyson in in his prime, the baddest man on the planet. You cannot be the baddest man on the planet if you're not a heavyweight. I know that sounds real. No no disrespect to any other weight division, but it's always been, I mean, whether you're talking about um, MMA, whether you're talking about boxing, when you're the heavyweight yeah. champion of the world, you are seen as the baddest man on the planet. Evander Holyfield never reached the acclaim that he reached until he crossed over from light heavyweight to heavyweight. So, Absolutely. you know, and, and obviously, you know, you think about where we come from and our lineage, like I said before, we understand the, the art and and what it takes to be a practitioner of this sweet science, right? You know, Floyd Mayweather has obviously revolutionized that 50 and no more than half of his victories were by decision because he knew how to work the ring and do what he had to do defensively. I love the fact that in the heavyweight division in 2022, we're seeing more of action-packed fights and a lot more upsets. We've seen a real, real variety of upsets over the past four or five years that have really brought some names to prominence. Uh, Andy Ruiz, uh, Alexander yeah. uh, Usyk, like it's like it's really exciting right now. Not just the names that you expect, not the Fury, not just the Furies and the Wilders and the Joshuas. Some names you didn't expect, which are making bigger fights and bigger pay per view opportunities. Absolutely, and Dillian White is in there, even yes. though he, you know, he lost to Klitschko mm-hmm. in like what 2015, 2013. Right, he's he's hung in there, and he's actually you know, making a new um, comeback, or not comeback, but he's he's getting the attention that he deserves Absolutely. as a fighter. Absolutely. And the thing about the heavyweights, too, it, I can sum it up in one phrase. The harder they fall, mm. that's what we tune in mm. for boxing. That's We want to see the knockout. We want to see him hit the canvas. 
because we're all fighters in our daily lives and there's all somebody that we want to see hit the canvas, whether or not it's a person or it's, uh, you know, an activity or a struggle that we want to overcome. There's so many metaphors in boxing, especially in the heavyweight division. Without question, Haley. So listen, we're talking about the heavyweight division and we're talking about kind of like the state of boxing in general. And yeah. one thing that stands out to me, um, and, and please disagree with me, that's what we're here for. Let's have some fun with this thing. The annoying part of the business, the yeah. the the unquestioned uh, lack of ability to be able to unify the titles. Yeah, I, I I I don't understand it. I never will understand it. I can't stress it enough. We come from this. We have it in our blood. We understand the business side of it. Neither one of us are naive to that fact. However, it robs us of what we really want to know, which is who is the best in the world. I know we're talking about heavyweights. It's my show. I'm taking this off track. Um, Go for it. <laughs> Bud, Bud it's Craw- a great subject. Right. Bud Crawford, right? And, yeah. uh, and uh, oh my gosh, Errol Spence Jr. That is yes. obviously the fight that the world wants to see. Yes. But somehow we can't we can't figure it out. We can't get the networks together. We can't get the governing bodies together and make it work. Joshua, let's take it back to the heavyweights. Joshua Fury or Joshua Wilder should have happened four years ago. Oh, absolutely. Like, what, t- talk to me. What, what's going on? So I have a feeling that it's all business. It's all money. And there are these different sanctioning bodies, which is new in the sport, relatively new since like the 1960s mm-hmm. and the WBC came into existence. And then now we've got all these IBO, IBF, uh, WBO, WBA, all these sanctioning bodies, they obviously can't agree. And it's a risk every time that they're putting a belt or a title on the Mm -hmm. line, Mm -hmm. it's a risk. So I would love to see something unified. That's what excites me about Canelo. That's what excited me about Lomachenko. Like I would love to see, um, you know, undisputed lineal championships and i think we're getting there in the heavyweight division but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that it's across the board this will always be a problem as long as there's different sanctioning bodies as long as there's no um health and pension or union for these boxers these fighters as long as the promoters are in charge and they're making the money it's going to be a struggle so that is a topic that i think a lot of people agree with you on that they want one unified world mm-hmm. champion. And even Uncle Tony felt that way in right. the 1940s. Sure. Why Why are there several different champions of the world? Why isn't there just one in that weight division? Right. And, and I'm sure you'll agree. We Like you said, we understand the business of it all. But at the same time, isn't it bigger business to bring these champions together? Now, I understand that, obviously, Bud Crawford loses his luster if he's no longer the champ. Uh, you know, yeah. Earl Spence Jr. loses his luster if he lo- if he loses the belt. You know, but at the same time, you bring these guys together, you're talking about at least, at least two fights, because you know whoever loses is going to demand a rematch. So, the rematch clause. Rem- of the the, the awful mentioned re- rematch clause. <laughs> it, it's, it, se- it seems to me like it's like ABC 1, 2, 3, but obviously it's not as simple as that. I got something for you. Sure. Herein lies the problem. We are predispositioned to believe that a fighter nowadays is only worth their salt if they're undefeated. Mm. If they lose, we discard them. If they lose twice in a row, right. they're wasted. They should retire. And that's not the, that's not true. I agree. These these boxers, these fighters are going to lose. Yes. There is no perfect record. And Floyd Mayweather is a great example. You mm-hmm. brought him up. He 
he strategically chose fights. It took forever to get that Pacquiao fight going. Exactly. And that was on purpose. And it was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait oh, yeah. for Pacquiao to get a little bit older. And, mm. you know, I mean, mm. and his strategy, I mean, Mayweather is a transition in the sport of boxing. Right. In in maybe an interesting way, but not necessarily for the benefit of the sport. So if we can change our minds into thinking, oh, if he has one loss or if he has four losses, Ali had five losses on his record. Tyson had six. Absolutely. Like if we can just switch our mentality to knowing that a perfect score doesn't make them a perfect boxer, right? then I think we can have better matchups. And then I think we can have, you know, an undisputed champion. You're talking right. You're talking right. And that's a perfect segue into my next question, my next point. Uh, let's talk specifically about Deontay Wilder. Um, I really, I really want to get into him because he, for a long time, has been my favorite um, heavyweight in the entire division. Uh, I think he's extremely exciting. Unfortunately, uh, for Wilder fans, that is, Fury has had his number. There's no question Tyson Fury has his number, and that's okay. You know, you're always going to run up against, you know, somebody who just has your number. But where does that leave him now moving forward? I know it's been announced or talked about, speculated that he's not going to retire. He's gonna, he wants to come back. Um, it's been kind of like a 50-50 deal. Last I heard, if you heard anything different, please let me know. But the last I heard is that he's still in the game. Uh, Andy Ruiz might be something that might be in his future. Is Deontay Wilder still the biggest, one of the biggest names in the heavyweight division? I think so. Bomb squad! There you go. Of course! Talk that talk. Talk that talk. Yes! Yes. (laughs) I'm such a Wilder fan. I love that man. He's got um, so much power. But I think he made some mistakes in his third and probably final fight with Fury. Okay, that's what I want to get into. Talk to me. I think he put on a lot of muscle weight. I think he was insecure because of what happened in the Mm -hmm. second fight Mm -hmm. and the excuse of his costume which right. i kind of believe maybe I, it, it seemed heavy to me pound costume mm-hmm. yeah who, who knows how long we actually saw him on camera exactly. wearing exactly. that arm suit of armor mm-hmm. i think that kind of messed with his head i think he might need some better coaching uh, or like a life coach i think that i mm. think his mental game is off okay. i think he has it he's got he's got it he's got the power he's got the recognition i think he just did not prepare correctly for the third with with wilder and remember that was rescheduled it they was were supposed to fight like two months earlier because fury got covid facts so um i think he put on too much muscle weight and when you put on all that extra muscle and yeah he's a big frame but mm-hmm. if you put on it what do you put on like 15 20 pounds right at least muscle, uh, at least that that means you need more fuel when you're fighting right you've got to um you know, you've got to oxygenate those muscles. Right. And his body is not used to that. And that's where, I think that's where he messed up. That's great education. That's great education right there, Haley. Because for me, and, and now you look at where his career is going to lead to now, and it's like, okay, yeah, where does he go from here? Like I said, the Andy Ruiz fight is something that's kind of on the horizon. That's That's been talked about. Nothing solidified as of yet. Um, you always got Prince Charles that could come back and be a factor where he can kind of have a little... I like to call it miniature pay-per-view if the title's not on a little mini pay-per-view where, you know, you're 30, $39.99, something like that. You know, have people, little under-the-radar kind of deal. And then, I mean, I, I think he could beat Alexander Usyk. I think he would be able to stand toe-to-toe with Anthony Joshua. And if he does, this is this is what fantasy booking, right? If he does, 
regain a belt two years, three years down the line, will we automatically have to come full circle? Will there have to be a fourth fight with Tyson Fury? Because as unorthodox as it may be, last time I've heard about a fourth fight uh, situation was, um, I want to say, Pacquiao and, and Marquez, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if Deontay Wilder regains a belt, doesn't that bring Tyson Fury back into the conversation? That's a great point. I think it's possible. Um, we'll see what happens with Fury and um, uh, Dillian White, mm-hmm. right? They, mm-hmm. I think that's coming up in April, yes. hopefully. Um, has that been so, solid- have, have you heard of that's been solidified? Uh, only rumors. Gotcha. Only rumors. Gotcha. Yeah, I've, I've heard like late 20s of April okay. in probably in England and location TBD. I know. Copy. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. We should be getting information, Relatively I would say, soon. soon. Copy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, like, what would you call it? If it's not a trilogy, what is it? A, qu- a quadruple? <laughs> Whatever the word I is. Mean, am, I, am I right? But listen, am I right? Was it the last time we heard of something like this was Pacquiao Marquez? Was that the last time? I can't. I can't think of another because example. Because they fought four times. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And I don't know if that's ever happened in the heavyweight division. Maybe not. So that that would be exciting, yeah. I think. Because it's a redemption story oh, for Wilder. Please. But he's gotta he's gotta set himself up. He's gotta build that confidence. He's gotta know that he's worth it before he can take on Fury again. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, um I think Usyk, I'm not sure if if he could take down Wilder because his footwork is so good right now. Wilder now. Um, I think, I mean, I've seen videos of Usyk dancing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in the, in the gym, right? His fan, his footwork is fancy. Most definitely. So, and that's something that I don't think Deontay has as much. So I don't know It it would, I, I definitely am not writing him out. He's still in his prime. Most definitely. You know, back in, back in the day, like boxers re- were retiring at 32. Mm-hmm. Like that was, their expiration date. Right. Uncle Tony fought till 36, Absolutely. which was like rare. Right. So, but nowadays, I mean, how, how old was Klitschko when he retired? He had to be, he was at least, there. I want to say 38, 39. Am I wrong? I could be wrong. Somewhere in that That range. sounds about right. Cause yeah. he's got to be like 50 now. Yeah, I exactly. At least, at least. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so you bring up a good point. Yeah. And, and, and now, and now you look at the future of the heavyweight division, you say, okay, you know, we have, Alexander Usyk. I want to kind of touch on him for a little bit because it definitely talks about the uh, what I was speaking about earlier, the upset factor, um, which yeah. which still is is still sexy. It's still intriguing. You know, the idea of the underdog winning. You know, nobody will ever forget Buster Douglas. You know, it just it just it, you know it's like it is what it is, right? And it's like I love Mike Tyson, but nobody will ever mm-hmm. forget Buster Douglas. And so it's like it's yeah. one of those deals. But the staying power is is my question. You know, Buster Douglas lost his very next outing against Evander Holyfield. He never was in the championship picture again. Um, a little more modern day, Andy Ruiz. He lost the rematch to to Anthony Joshua. He was very, you know, he was impressive in his in his last outing. But like now, is he gonna come back and be in a mix? I mean, if he obviously if he faces Deontay Wilder and defeats him, he it puts him right in line for a title shot. But if he yeah. loses to Deontay Wilder, which is what I would predict if that fight were to take place. That leaves him kind of on the outside looking in. What does Alexander Usyk have to do to eliminate this narrative that, you know what, Joshua's just going to win the title back like he did before? Uh, 
I because he because he dominated he dominated the first fight. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's so like Lomachenko. He's so strategic and has a really extensive amateur career. Mm-hmm. That is a foundation that Andy Ruiz does have too, but AJ doesn't. Facts. So I I was actually at that fight in June of 2019 at the Garden nice. when Andy Ruiz Jr. upset Anthony Joshua. Absolutely. And it was one of the most electrifying experiences mm-hmm. of my life. The, that entire arena of 20,000 people was roaring. Mm-hmm. And um, with those unexpected knockdowns in the third round and back and forth and who's it going to be. And... And the an outsider, a novice, who's just tuning in because mm-hmm. it's a big fight, mm-hmm. might not understand that the physique of Anthony Joshua, looking like Muhammad Ali in those white trunks, versus uh, Andy Ruiz Jr., mm-hmm. who, you know, he's yeah. not any muscle definition right. whatsoever. Low, low chubby, right? It is what it is, right? Yeah. Right. And then... And then for him to come and win and with a knockout, it was just, or TKO, whatever yeah. you want to call it, yeah, yeah. depending on who you're talking to. You called it to. right. You're talking it right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that to me is a lesson for the viewers to understand that. So Andy Ruiz Jr. is definitely still in the running, I think. He's still up there. I know he made some mistakes again, just like Tyson Fury did. Yeah. If you imagine you've got this goal to be the champion of the world and you finally get a belt and... What do you do once right. you reach that goal? You party, you celebrate to an of extent. Of course you do. Of course you do. But then there's people like George Cambosis Jr. who mm-hmm. never stops training. Like, oh, he will man. have a fight and keep training that night. Right, absolutely. Like, he, he does not give up. His consistency is there. Mm-hmm. And that's a lesson for Fury and Andy Ruiz Jr. If they could stay consistent, that's, the, and that's I, their winning ticket. I agree. And I, and I think that as their careers continue to develop, I mean, obviously, Fury is at the top of his game. He's at the pinnacle. And that's a little weird, too, the fact that he only has one belt. Well, Ring Magazine and WBC, but he has one, you know, belt, governing body belt. And yet, Usyk has, I want to say, three. And yet, you know, obviously the best heavyweight in the world right now, according to most pundits, is uh, Tyson Fury. Now, yeah. do you see, who, who do you see? Which championship matchup do you think happens first? Obviously, we have some roadblocks to get to first. But yeah. Between the, the, the champs, do, do you see them getting together in the next two years? Because, you know, these things tend to linger. We've been, like I said earlier, we've been waiting on Joshua Fury for five years. We've been waiting on uh, Deontay Wilder Joshua for five years. So it's like, you never know. Right. I do think um, Fury White is probably going to be the most realistic first mm-hmm. out of the um, title fights for the heavyweights. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think Usyk and Joshua too will happen. Right. I think I think Joshua will use that, you know, coveted. Which I'm not. Which I'm not re- happy about. Rematch clause. Which I'm not happy really? about. Really? No, not at all. Are not you over all. AJ or what? I th- I think, you know what? I'm gonna get into it. I was gonna save it for later. I'm gonna get into it, it right now. I am very big on history, as you are. Um, like I said, yeah. can't say it enough. It's in our blood. To me, Muhammad Ali being the three-time, you, I know you, you'll see where I'm going. Muhammad Ali was a three-time heavyweight champion of the world, okay? It meant something to lose and regain and then lose and regain in that era of boxing when it was the most coveted trophy in the boxing world. It meant something. Now, people will drop a title, win it back, 
drop a title, win it back. Evander Holyfield's a four-time champion, too, and that's when it started to get a little ugly for me, even though I love Holyfield. It's like, wow, like, you know, he won the title, lost the title, won it. My point is, Joshua getting another title shot, even though it's probably yeah. contractually obligated, and he probably will be the three-time heavyweight champion of the world, to me, and this may be a stretch, tell me if I need to reel it in, it erases, or not erases, but it diminishes the importance of what regaining the title really means. Like, the the idea of keeping the championship is becoming less sexy than the idea of winning it back. Oh, I see. You feel what I'm saying? Okay. And it's like, and it's yeah. like now Joshua, because I predict he'll win the rematch, will go down as the three-time heavyweight champion of the world, which puts him in elite company, elite company that I don't necessarily think he deserves. He's sure. one of the best heavyweights in the world today, but he, mm-hmm. in my mind, he's not a top five, top seven heavyweight of all time, and I consider Muhammad Ali to be the greatest to ever do it. So, and and maybe it's an unfair mm-hmm. comparison. Like I said, reel me in if I'm wrong. Talk to me. Well, I mean, I, I do it too, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I hadn't thought about that in, in that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I agree, but I think it's worth pondering. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, I feel like what matters is who is at their best, ver- not who deserves it, mm-hmm. who's at their best, what's going to give us the best fight. Um, not necessarily if it's, like you said, mm-hmm. a... Um, a requirement in the right. contract. Right. Um, but there is something with losing a belt mm-hmm. and having a chance to regain it. Right. I mean, that's been in boxing history since the Queensbury rules. True. Probably. I, mean, True. I, I don't know. Make, making that up. But no, I, mean, I, know, I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. There, I think there is still an opportunity for AJ, but that's up to his people and that's up to him if he you know still if he's ready to be done or hang up the gloves or i think he'll be back you know i think i think the idea and the, and the reason why i'm saying what i'm saying is because he's talked about it he's talked about being Here, regaining the go ahead please what about this what if what if he doesn't get it back what if he loses well then that's a different story i i guess I, and i understand why you're asking that question because my whole premise and whole opinion is based on the fact that i think Joshua would win the rematch. So that's a, it's not fair to, for us to just dis- dismiss Usyk. So you're right about that. Um, and obviously Usyk winning the rematch would obviously solidify him, you know, in, in a major way. Yes. So major. I, I, guess, I guess you're right in that regard. I Maybe, like I said, my opinion is strictly based in the idea that I think Joshua would win. Sure, yeah. So. And, and that's a very good possibility. I mean, yeah. he might, when it comes to betting, his odds might be, you know, Higher? Is that right? Yeah, no, you're right. And and the pro- and the yeah. prop and the problem is because Usyk, like you like you explained earlier, is a very talented and skilled bo- boxer. The the problem is is that everybody looks at when Joshua loses, it's like a fluke. I don't I don't look at it that way. Once you know, for me once, shame on me. For me twice, shame on you. Or however it goes. Um, I <laughs> yeah. think it's reversed. He comes into these fights where he's highly favored. Like I like Anthony Joshua, but the facts are the facts. He comes in unprepared. And, and it shows as the fight progresses, it, uh, lack of lack of stamina, uh, lack of staying true to what brought him to the dance, which is a stiff jab, a hard right cross. He continues mm-hmm. to, he tries to fire off and try to get into the fire wars, which is not his expertise in my opinion. And then mm-hmm. 
somebody like Andy Ruiz, no disrespect, but Andy Ruiz outclasses him down the stretch. Somebody like Alexander Usyk oh, yeah. outclasses him down the stretch. I mean, Joshua had no answer. Well, I also don't know if he was thrown off by Usyk being a southpaw, if that mm-hmm. like messed up his rhythm because he never got into the clinch that I could see. Right. He never used those tactics to tire out Usyk. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think if he's watching those tapes back, he'll, he'll obviously learn from them. I don't mm-hmm. know. Ego-wise, that might be hard to do. Definitely might be hard to do. Tyson Fury, where does he go from here? Tyson Fury is on top of the world right now. Um, I know I know you talked about the possibility of what his next fight might be. But when I say where does yeah. he go from here, what I mean is Tyson Fury being the obviously the most talked about heavyweight in the world right now, coming off the two wins with Wilder. Now we look to the future. Is the only thing that he should be thinking about after he gets through his next fight is the winner of Usyk Joshua, or should he just continue kind of moseying along and had his stats just so to speak. No, he cannot mosey. He's gotta he's gotta stay alert because with this Dillian White fight, if it happens, um he Dillian's got a strategy. He he said in interviews that he's gonna go for his core mm-hmm. because and he is a he is White is a hard body puncher. So if he's focusing on that area and maybe I'm you know like um letting the secrets out but if he's focusing on that area of tyson fury Mm -hmm. and we know tyson has gained he got up to 400 pounds and lost and gained and lost like that that's not good for the skin for the body for his core and i think he he can't he's only got to look at the very next fight i don't think he can think ahead okay i want to get into one quick programming note and then we're going to get into a little bit more of the history of the heavyweight division uh, if you don't cool. mind. Okay, cool. So listen, for all my couples out there, if your goal is to find an exceptional officiant and have an epic ceremony, look no further than Promise Pass Nuptials. Your love story will be expertly crafted and put into life by a wedding day experience that's going to be second to none. Premarital coaching is also available at Promise Path Nuptials. My good friend Ebony and her expertise uh, and partnership will put you in a position to have the best love story ever. Act now. Go to Promise Path nuptials.com right here after the show a link to ebony and the promise path nuptial website will be on the very detailed uh description of this podcast this podcast that's being uh wonderfully guest hosted by my good friend Haley zale so back in the building let's go this heavyweight division as a whole mm-hmm. where does it sit ranking wise. I know you have to kind of lump everybody together and then you Ooh. lump everybody else together. Um let's just let's just throw it out there, right? Let's talk about let's just use let's go by threes. Let's go by threes. Um okay. Joshua Wilder Fury. Is that fair? Yeah, okay. definitely. And then we'll go Tyson Holyfield Riddick Bow. Is that fair? Okay, I like that. And mm-hmm. then we'll go Ali Foreman and Frazier. Okay, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's reverse. Order. Okay. I got you. I got you. I, got <laughs> I, you. <laughs> I think it's Ali, Frazier, For- uh, you said Foreman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think mid is Tyson, Riddick, Bo, and who did you say? I, I put Bo, Holyfield, and, and, um. Holyfield and Tyson. And Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they can also, okay, so let me finish. And then 
And then I think our modern guys. Okay. So here's the thing though. The training of boxing has changed. So as a boxing purist, I of course am going to lean towards Ali and Frazier and um, Foreman. I want to throw Ken Norton in there too. I know. Sure. I know. Much respect to like, Ken Norton. No, no, no. I should have mentioned it myself. <laughs> Ken Norton was a, is, a, is a legend. He just couldn't yeah, get over. Totally. He couldn't get over the hump. He just couldn't get over the. He, he's heavyweight champion of the world, right? He'll always he'll yeah. always be. But he couldn't get over. He couldn't get that signature win. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So nowadays, boxers are weightlifting. That didn't happen before. Mm-hmm. They were they're chopping wood. Right. They you know they were doing all sorts of different things. Nowadays, we've got protein shakes, and you know, back then mm-hmm. they were drinking eggs out of a glass, right. like Rocky. Right. So, so everything has changed. So I can't perfectly compare these categories to each other. I think the eras are too separate. I think within the eras, I can, I can figure it out. Well, but that's, 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 where, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, I want. If you have to remix it, remix it. Tell me what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I think that that's something to really consider when mm-hmm. we're going pound for pound. Okay. And talking about fighters. That, um, how much is just different. So, I would say Ali, Frazier, Foreman, Norton. We've got classic. We've got uh, dynamic. We've got... Thankfully, the fight footage. Facts. That was like the first era Facts. that we have foot like clear yes. great footage. Old school, so we, grainy, hardcore. I loved it. Yes. Manila. Yes. I mean, come yes. on. No Around no glitz and glamour, just real talk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then things started to change. Mm-hmm. Tyson era. There was a lot more um, emphasis on the press. And we're also talking about fifteen rounds versus twelve rounds. Right. Right. Like, when you had 15 rounds, there was more opportunity, I think, for knockouts. Sure. When 12 rounds, we're getting, it's for the boxer's safety. I understand why that happened. But we're getting more decisions, which yeah. is then looking at the judges. Absolutely. So, um, so I would say that that is my sort of lineage in the heavyweights. So now modern days, we've got, we've got the crap talking and the BS that mm-hmm. they started in the 90s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Still got that. But I still, I think it's kind of come around to less of a hate and more of a respect mm-hmm. because we're seeing better sportsmanship between the fighters. Agreed. Um, but then when it comes to their style, I mean, these guys are machines. You can't yeah. compare True. because they're weightlifting, because they're... They're, um, more, they're more physical specimens than they were back in the day. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's I true. Mean, I mean, they're incredible. It's exciting to be here at this moment in time and see these guys. Put you on the spot. Give me your five greatest heavyweights to ever Oh God. Okay. Uh. Well. No. Should I go five or? You can. You can. One? You can go. You can go five in no particular order because I know sometimes that's difficult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Ali, of mm. course, greatest of all time. Ali. Um. Then let's see. I've got. Um. I have a lot of respect for Tyson. Um. Uh, very. Game changer and power in sure. the sport. Sure. Um. Two. Those are easy ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually, I know that this doesn't really work, but I'm going to throw an Olympic gold medal, medalist. Please. Leon Spinks. 
Leon's, you consider Leon Spinks yes. one of the greatest heavyweights of all time? Yes. Okay. No, well, yeah, I do. That's fair. I do. That's fair. Not not necessarily for his professional debut or his record, but where he came from, what, what he represents. Hey, he beat, he I, beat Ali for the title, so I can't. He beat Ali. That's true. Yes. So I I definitely put Leon in that category. I, I want to apologize. I, I have I wanna, a soft spot right, for him. I want to apologize to you because I don't want you to think that I'm I, it's just I've never heard that. That's new. That's that's a unique. That's a unique one. That's all. I've just never okay, heard. Okay. You know, I actually hear more people speak fondly of of Michael than Leon. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, so. Mike, Mike, Mike. Oh, Michael Spinks. Yeah, gotcha. Michael Spinks. Yeah, Mike Spinks. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. go ahead. Who please. wasn't? Who wasn't like a? He was a light heavier cruiser, right? I don't. I don't think. He well, was no, he was. He was a heavy. He the whole. He, he won the heavyweight title from. Um, he broke the undefeated streak of Larry Holmes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Good. Yeah. Actually, good mention. Larry Holmes, yeah, too. I Larry don't think Holmes. he's in my top five. Right. Yeah. Okay, so Leon yeah. Spinks, Mike Tyson, uh, and uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um, Rocky Marciano. Okay. Classic. Undefeated. 49 and 0. Yep. Yeah. Classic. I, um, let's see, that's a middleweight. I was going to throw in Marcel Serdan because of his fight record alone, but he died too soon. I think. I think Marciano died too soon, too, in a plane mm. crash. He, I think he could have done some wonderful things in the sport of boxing and trained some really incredible right. fighters. people coming behind him. Um, yeah, exactly. And then um, another favorite would be um, Floyd Patterson. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. One of the youngest heavyweight champions of all time, right? Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. I want to yeah. say Tyson broke his Chicago. record. I want to say Tyson um, broke his record. You might be right about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Floyd Patterson, Leon Spinks, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, and uh, who did I say? Oh, um, Marciano. And Rocky Marciano. Okay, all right. What about yours? What are your top five? Well, I always give the nine. all time, all time, all time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna freak you out with the last one, but I think you'll respect it. Um, Muhammad Ali. Um, I mean, just revolutionary, charismatic. Before charismatic was cool. Um, yeah. for what he did for social justice advocacy as well. Like, I take all that into account. Um, Mike Tyson, because he just set the world on fire. Um, unfortunately, about two or three losses late in his career kind of made his record look a little less sexy, but he's still one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, Evander Holyfield. Evander Holyfield. Um, we talked, I talked to you earlier about him and the four championships. Um, yeah. it kind of gets watered down, but at the same time, I believe his first three were very legitimate, obviously. The trilogy with Riddick Bogue will always go down in history. Um, mm -hmm. and, and obviously his major upset win against Mike Tyson will always, will yeah. solidify his legacy. Well, plus, he was a two-division belt title Yes, he holder, was. So. Yes, he was. Undefeated light I mean, heavyweight champion as well. Yes. Yeah, so, that's impressive. So Tyson, Holyfield, Ali, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with George Foreman. Uh, oh. I'm going to go with George Foreman, not only because what he did in the 70s and his domination of um, of uh, Joe Frazier and others, but also what he did in 94, coming back and, and shocking the world by defeating Michael Moore. I think that was really oh. cool. Like I think him doing that at the age of 45, um, he was a massive yeah. underdog. His comeback, I know I'm not teaching you anything you don't already know, but his comeback, <laughs> no. his, his comeback um, initially was in the early 90s. And he got his title shot against um, Evander Holyfield and was unsuccessful. And then it was almost like a second comeback. Like he kind of went off the scene again, started doing some analyst work and color commentary work for HBO while he was still active. 
And then all of a sudden he got this kind of out of nowhere title shot against Michael Moore and won. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh my God. And then after after that he vacated the title because he didn't want to defend it against somebody, whatever. I think Axel Schultz was involved or something like that. But the bottom line is, for what he did in the 70s and then coming back in the 90s, I got to give the nod to um, to George Foreman as number four. And then Riddick Bowe. Uh-huh. Riddick All right. Bowe. Um, I think he is one of the most underappreciated heavyweights in the history mm-hmm. of the division. He has only lost one time. He has one wow. loss. And that was a loss to Holyfield twice. So it's like, mm. for me, it's like, I, I don't understand how Riddick Bowe gets forgotten. I understand that he looked very, um, very lackluster against uh, Galata on both occasions. Obviously, Galata got the best of him. If, you know, Galata just couldn't stop with the low blows. And who knows, it probably would have been two more losses on his record. But you know what? I'm not going back in time and changing history. All I know, <laughs> all I know is that he he won two times by disqualification. Again. I don't, I'm not, it's not my job to speculate on who would have won if there were no low blows. It's not my job. That's not what I do, okay? I don't speculate. Yeah. I go on what's black and what's white on paper. And what's black and white on paper is that Riddick Bowe has only lost one time. He was an undisputed champion, and he beat the man that beat him two times. So, your thoughts? Yeah, well said. Okay, <laughs> I, I definitely respect that. I think that's brilliant. Yep. Awesome, awesome. You're right, underrated for sure. Underrated. So, listen, we're going to start wrapping this thing up. Um, before we do, I want to actually give my good friend Ebony one more one more shout-out because I feel like I kind of did her, didn't do her justice talking about Promise Paps nuptials. I want to make sure everybody knows. This is for all the lovers out there, okay? Haley, can we talk about the lovers for a second? All the lovers out yeah. there. Oh, okay, so this is... Oh, that's wonderful. Shout out to my lady. <laughs> Shout out to my lady as well. I gotta give love to my lady as well. She'll, she'll knock me out. Promise Paps nuptials. just to be clear, what I was talking about earlier is basically a marriage service. She's an official officiant of putting marriages together she does premarital counseling she does all that stuff and one thing i left out earlier it's all for the new york tri-state area westchester county all five boroughs in new york city and abroad so i want to give a big shout out to my good friend from college ebony who's doing some amazing things promise path nuptials.com i wasn't going to just gloss over it it's too important for all the lovers out there before we go, Haley, please let the people know where they can find you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on my show. Listen, you'll never say it, but I'm saying it. You are a big deal. You understand what I'm saying? You're a big deal. Uh, so I appreciate and I'm humbled by your appearance on my show. Please tell the people where they can find you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Haley Zale. That's it. That, that's it. Talk about you know, talking about your show or or talking about uh, 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 whether they can find yeah. and nothing else. All right, I'll toot my own horn a please, little bit. I, um, I filmed a pilot for yes. uh, a boxing news show, mm-hmm. um, which we're in the process of plugging right now. I'd love mm-hmm. to uh, see what, you know, if you could get involved as well. Um, and I just got uh, a role on Girls 5 Eva on nice, Peacock nice. as the blonde wife. Um, so that's really exciting. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm I moved to New York to be an actor and um thankfully the boxing community here is amazing. I'm judging amateurs tonight and um you know, I'm just I've never been happier. So I'm so grateful that COVID is, you know, we're seeing the end of it mm-hmm. and boxing is making such a strong comeback and we're getting some really great entertainment coming back. Absolutely. 
absolutely. And girls. Yes. I'm excited. I gotta, I gotta throw this out there. Sure. Um, at the end of April is um, Taylor versus Serrano at the oh, Garden. Okay, so. that's what's up. That's what yeah, I gotta get. I gotta get back to the Garden. I haven't been back for for a while. It's definitely um, it's turning into the mecca again, which is really exciting. It is. I know Barclays. I don't think has been doing anything. No, I, I, the garden Ma- is and Madison, and rightfully so. You know, shout out to to Brooklyn and Barclays, but Madison Square Garden should be where it's at. New York box. Let's bring. Let's get New York boxing back where it belongs. You know, absolutely. Yep. Atlantic City and Vegas don't have to dominate everything. It should be New York. You know what I'm saying? I agree. 100%. But listen, I want to thank yeah. you again for being on my show. For all my listeners out there, y'all know what it is, man. HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com, Hubbard Wrestling Weekly on YouTube. Hub underscore wrestling on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? We're all over the place, man. I want to thank everybody. I have I've just checked my numbers. I have listeners in all 50 states and internationally. So I'm, I'm humbled by that. Shout out to my family. Shout out to my girls. Shout out to everybody out there. Shout out to Six Pack. Appreciate y'all. It is what it is. Y'all know what it is. I keep it 100 all day, every day. And Haley, I'm humbled by your appearance. Thank you so much. So all my listeners out thank there. Thank you, Sean. Most, most definitely. God bless. Be encouraged. And you already know. Evil never prevails. We'll talk to you next time.